Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters Sports Bar will sponsor your next private event. Walters is located right across the street from the ballpark in Navy Yard. Register at waltersdc.com and click the Inquire Now button. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two balls and a strike. Adon fires. Swing a high, high fly ball. Deep right field. Garrett at the track. He's at the wall. He looks up, and it is gone. A rain-making two-run homer for Kyle Schwarber makes it 6-1 to one Phillies. And the roof is caved in on Yoan Adon here in the fourth. One out. Garrett at third. Alou at second. Vargas at first. Lorenzen sets. Here it is. Swinging a ground ball left side. That's a base hit. Garrett will score. Alou racing home. The throw toward the plate by Cave is not in time. It's a two-run single for Blake Rutherford. Vargas holds it second. It's now 6-4 to four Phillies. Rutherford with his first two Major League RBIs on a single into left field. And now C.J. Abrams bats. The pitch. Swing a long drive. Right field. Way back goes Castellanos to the bullpen. And it is gone. And the Nationals lead 7-6. C.J. Abrams with home run number 12. A three-run shot into the Nationals bullpen. And welcome to Nats Chat for Saturday, August 19th. 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. The Nats on Friday morning visited Commander's training camp. Davey Martinez and a bunch of Nats players were there. And then the Nats on Friday night played a game that early on felt like it might end with a uh, football-like score. We didn't quite get that, but we did get a Nats win an 8-7 win over the Philadelphia Phillies in game one of a three-game series. This was a game at which each team scored six runs in the fourth inning, but this also was the Nats' 18th victory in 27 games. The Nats have surpassed their win total for last season, now 56-67 and off last season going a major league worst 55 and 107. Coming up later in the show, we'll get an update on Luis Garcia and others playing for the Nats AAA affiliate, the Rochester Red Wings, courtesy of the voice of the Red Wings, Josh Wetzel. But Mark, the Nats get yet another win. The Phillies are atop the National League wildcard standings. The Nats are just eight games behind the Cincinnati Reds for the NL's third and final wildcard spot. Deep into August, the rebuilding Nats, eight games out of a playoff spot. 
I'm not going that far yet, Al. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. What they've done here for the last month, if they somehow kept that up, maybe we're going to start having more serious conversations here in the future. But I will say this. The energy inside Nationals Park during this game was as good as it's been in a long time. And it wasn't just because of the game itself, but it felt like there was something at stake. And yeah, there were a good number of Phillies fans here, of course. That's the way that it is, especially with them coming off a World Series appearance. But the combination of that and the Nationals fans who are here and who are starting to embrace this team and seeing what they have done over the last month and starting to buy in to them, there were a number of moments during this game that felt electric, the kind of thing we have not felt here in quite some time. And that was, for me personally, and I think for a lot of the players too, it was noticeable and it was a fun feeling to experience that again for the first time in a long time. There lately have been a lot of like snapshot moments that capture how now is different than then. Now is different than a year ago. Now is different than two years ago. I A few episodes ago brought up two years ago, the Nats played a really bad team and the Orioles got swept and that in a lot of ways triggered the fire sale. Well, what happened last weekend, the Nats swept the major league worst Oakland A's. You know, not a big thing, but you know, you look at they say, okay, two years ago, you couldn't even beat a bad team, got swept by them. Now you do the sweeping. Here we had on Friday night, the Nats up one nothing in the top of the fourth and Joanna Doan gets ripped in the top of the fourth to the tune of six runs. Nats are down 6-1 entering the bottom of the fourth. I am convinced that the 2021 Nats, the 2022 Nats would have gone on to lose that game, you know, 12-2 or something like that. Instead, this team put up a six spot of its own in the bottom of the fourth. And just like that, we were right back to the Nats having a one-run lead and they end up winning the game 8-7. But that kind of answer to allowing the opposing team to do what it did in the top of that inning... I don't feel like the Nats of previous seasons would have done that, the last two seasons. This Nats team can do that. And that, to me, was like something that like smacked you right across the face as an illustration of, yeah, progress is being made here. The last two seasons, they would have slowly scored a couple of runs. They never would have really been back in it. But all of a sudden, in the eighth or the ninth, you know, they get a couple of runners on base and we're saying, hey, the boys battled. They didn't give up. And then they didn't actually really come that close to winning it. This one... They didn't just rally, but they did it immediately. I think that was the key to it. It was bam, 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 right away. Like, fans didn't even have a chance to catch their breath and see what the scoreboard said after the Blake Rutherford single to keep the rally going. And all of a sudden, C.J. Abrams is hitting a three-run homer on the next pitch to give him the lead to complete the rally. It was so quick. It was so forceful. And that was, a, yeah, one of those moments, the crowd totally into it. And let's remember, they're doing this against a guy who nine days earlier had no hit them. And they knocked him out in the fourth inning with a barrage of big hits against him. That is a characteristic no. We absolutely have not seen from them to do it that quickly, to do it in that moment right after they'd given up all the runs and just seize all the momentum back in their favor. Michael Lorenzen on Friday night, seven runs, six earned, three and a third innings. There was no no-no for Ola Michael Lorenzen on Friday night. So a tremendous offensive game here for the Nats. Eight runs, 13 hits, two walks, six for nine with runners in scoring position. Yet another game in which the bottom of the order contributes big time. Jake Alou, Blake Rutherford, Stone Garrett continues to roll. Lane Thomas 
ended up having a big game. A lot of guys we can highlight here. C.J. Abrams hit a three-run homer, oh, by the way. But, you know, in some ways, this did feel like a Lane Thomas night. A lot of big moments for him in this game, both at the plate and in the field. So he was an at-starting center fielder in this game. We've seen a little more of that lately, as opposed to the Nats for so much of the season, basically like avoiding playing Lane in center. So Lane Thomas, starting center fielder, number two batter, got on base four times, three for four with an RBI single, two other singles, and a walk. And he made a really impressive catch. He also was showing off his arm in the outfield as well. But bottom of the first, a one-out infield single on a grounder to Trey Turner, who actually made an errant throw to first base, but Thomas got the hit. Bottom of the third, Thomas, a one-out single up the middle into shallow center field. Thomas in an at's one-run sixth, a two-out full-count RBI single through the left side of the infield for an 8-6 Nats lead, despite having been down at 1.12. And of course, that eighth run proved to be crucial in this Nats win. Bottom of the eighth, a two-out walk. And then that aforementioned impressive catch, top of the second. Really nice play for the third out. The Don is ready. He starts the windup. The right-hander's pitch on the way. Swung on, hit in the air to center field, sending Thomas back. Still back to the warning track. He leaps and he makes the catch. Bangs into the fence and holds on for out number three. Fine play by Lane Thomas going straight back. How often have we talked about Lane Thomas having problems on balls near outfield walls and, you know, looking awkward and almost clumsy at times trying to navigate that territory right in front of an outfield wall? Here he was making a terrific catch. Really good game for Lane Thomas on Friday night. And that catch, it's not just that he caught it, but he looked confident the whole time going after that ball. Like you just said, that has been such an issue for him going back, especially in center field. It's one of the reasons that he hasn't stuck in center field, and they moved him to the corner. They're playing him there more now because they're trying to find ways to get Stone Garrett in the lineup. He deserves to be in the lineup more than Alex Call, and so they're sacrificing some defense in center in exchange for Garrett's bat. And if Lane plays like he did in this game, they can afford to have him in center field all the time if they want. I loved the way he played right from the get-go in this game. So you mentioned the, the first hit. And I know a lot of people were surprised by the call by the official scorer that it wasn't an error because Trey Turner did throw wild. But when you watch it, and I was watching it live as it happened, Trey was busting down the line to the point that he might have beat it out. And I think that's why he got credit with the hit. Even a good throw, it was not a guarantee he was going to make it. He was running so hard. Another infield single in the third, the catch. And then he showed off that arm on a potential tag up play from second to third, and he fired a strike on the fly to Ildemaro Vargas at third, and that was another moment the crowd really got into. Lane Thomas was a man on a mission in this game, and that was pretty cool to see him do it, not just in the way we're used to seeing him do it, but in really every aspect of the game. You know, it's a funny thing with Lane because obviously the Nats did not trade him, and you know he still is under team control here for a little while. And Mike Rizzo, in not trading Lane, talked about how much the team values Lane. And, you know, we see him as an everyday guy, not a number four outfielder. Well, you can bet your bottom dollar that Lane Thomas's agent was paying attention to those comments from Mike Rizzo. And if Lane keeps playing like this and displays this ability to play a good center field, Lane's going to get himself some money this coming offseason via arbitration. So really good stuff from Lane Thomas on Friday night. You mentioned Stone Garrett. I mean, all this guy is doing right now is hitting. He was an ad starting right fielder and number six batter, three for four with two doubles and a single. He did all of this over the first five innings. Stone Garrett had five total bases over the first five innings on Friday night. He and that Nats one run second, had a one out double to left, despite having been down at 1.12. Six run fourth, Garrett, a one out single to center field. Bottom of the fifth, a two out 
first pitch double to left field. You know, Stone Garrett may be as locked in as any Nats player right now. Kate Ruiz has been doing really well, did not do particularly well on Friday night. But here's your Stone Garrett slash line for the month of August. A batting average of 395, an on-base percentage of 444, a slugging percentage of 711. He is slugging over 700 this month. He has two homers and six doubles this month. Also has drawn five walks. He really is like busting out as an offensive force here these last few weeks. And doing a lot of it against right-handers, which is why he's in there every day. Seven straight games that he started. I think four of them have been against righties. There's no reason to take him out of the lineup at all right now. He had four at-bats in this game, and I'm pretty sure each of them ended with an exit velocity of over 100 miles an hour. The three hits, but the fourth one was a line-out that was a bullet to the second baseman. So really good contact. He is staying in there against righties. You said he's drawing his walks. He's not chasing breaking balls out of the zone, which has always been his Achilles heel. He has really figured something out and stepped it up and making the most of this opportunity. As we discussed the other day, he's already in the big leagues. I know there's other guys coming who are more highly touted, but if you're already here right now and you're playing every day and you make the most of that opportunity, you can force the organization to think of you differently and say, well, hang on a second. We don't have to rush anybody else to get up here. And when they are ready, they're going to have to prove that they're better than you are. Now, I'm not trying to say that in the long run, Stone Garrett's going to be a better player than Dylan Cruz or James Wood. But at the moment, like Lane Thomas, he is already proving himself at this level. And you don't mess with that when it's working. And so good for him for making the most of this opportunity while it's presented to him and at least making them have to reconsider some things as they look ahead to the rest of this season and going into next season, what they're going to do in the outfield. And I give Mike Rizzo credit. I mean, the Stone Garrett signing looks rather shrewd now. I mean, the guy now for this season, an OPS of 830. I mean, you know, they're paying Garrett like next to nothing, right? They got this guy like, you know, he was such an like, oh, by the way, acquisition. And he's put up an 830 OPS on the season. So very good production from Stone Garrett. Speaking of producing, Jake Alou, all he does is provide RBI hits. Really is remarkable watching him here. Alou on Friday night as an ad starting second baseman and number seven batter, two for four with not one but two RBI singles. He in the one run second had a one out opposite field RBI single through the left side of the infield for a one nothing Nats lead. And Alou in that six run Nats fourth, one out full count RBI single through the right side of the infield to cut the Nats deficit to 6-2 despite having been down at 1.12. Also, Blake Rutherford, a guy who could not get a hit or draw a walk, you know, seemingly to save his life initially at, in his time at the major league level for the Nats this season. He has been really good lately. Rutherford on Friday night, the Nats starting left fielder and number nine batter, three for four with a two-run single and two other singles. The six-run fourth, Rutherford, one out, bases loaded, opposite field, two-run single through the left side to cut the Nats deficit to 6-4. One run six, Rutherford, a one-out first pitch infield single on a chopper toward the left side of the infield. And bottom of the eighth, Rutherford, one out single to center field despite having been down at one point, one, two. So, you know, we talk about like the bottom half of the lineup producing. That was not something we had been seeing as of, you know, I don't know, a few weeks ago. But, you know, Alou is getting his. Rutherford is getting his. So we certainly are seeing some good stuff from these uh, recent call-ups by the Nats. It makes such a difference and it helped make that six-run rally possible. If the guys at the bottom aren't doing their job, getting on base, prolonging the inning, you never get to C.J. Abrams to hit the big home run at the end of that. So that is huge. Rutherford, he admitted that 
he was pressing until he got his first big league hit. He was 0 for 14. Once he got that one, he did feel like he could relax a little bit, and he's been much better since then. I don't think anybody's really expecting huge things from him, but like the others, he's getting an opportunity now, and when he does, the more that he produces like this, the more opportunities he's going to get. And Jake Alou, I mean, he's got this ability. I think we've seen enough now to sense this guy knows how to hit. It's not the same as Joey Manessis, but there are some similarities just in that understanding the moment and what is needed of you and finding a hole, whether it's going the opposite field, whether it's pulling the ball, just looking for a single with a runner in scoring position. He has that knack. The other thing, he's actually been a lot better at second base than I think maybe we all thought he might be. He has not been a liability there at all. and He's even made some very nice plays as well. So Michael Chavis has done some good things lately, but Alou only played in two of the three games against Oakland, only played in one of the three games against Boston. I would like to see more of a commitment to Jake Alou playing game in, game out. I mean, I think that there's something worth sort of exploring here. So, you know, at minimum, two out of every three games. And, you know, really, I'd like to see him play more or less every day. I mean, unless he really is struggling, I don't know why you wouldn't want to see more of Jake Alou right now. It's basically a lefty-righty thing right now. He's not starting the games that they're facing lefties, and Chavis isn't. Well, that may make sense on paper as a matchup question. I don't think they need to learn anything about Michael Chavis at this point. If Jake Lou's going to make it in the big leagues, he's going to have to be able to have some success against lefties. So just as they're letting Stone Garrett now play against righties, I agree. It doesn't have to be every day, but give Lou some more opportunities against lefties. See how he handles that, because that's ultimately going to be the signal of whether he can stick here or not for what they envision him being. If he cannot ever face a lefty, it's going to be tough to make it in the big leagues if you're just going to be a platoon player at that position. I mean, they need him to be able to face a lot of different types of guys, and why not see what he can do against lefties? Yeah, I know the Nats are in wild card contention, but there still is a rebuilding team, so let's focus on the bigger picture as we should. So this home run by C.J. Abrams on Friday night, he is an ad starting shortstop and number one batter, only went one for five, but the one was a glorious three-run home run. Abrams in that six-run Nats fourth, a one-out first pitch, three-run homer to right field for a 7-6 Nats lead. But maybe the biggest takeaway from this home run is how Abrams reacted to the home run. He stood there and he admired that home run. And I don't know that he moved at all until the ball was out of the ballpark. C.J. Abrams did what is called pimping the home run and then merrily made his way around the bases. And this stood out for a few reasons. Number one, I always crack up when guys do that. I find it hysterical. I like it. I think baseball needs more of that. But number two, you know, we've talked about C.J. Abrams playing better, playing with more confidence. If that doesn't scream about the confidence that Abrams now is feeling, you talk about feeling yourself, you talk about, you know, putting your swagger out there. Man, did he do that with how he treated that home run. He admired that thing. There were two moments like that in this game that I, I want to talk about. I'm sure we're going to get to the bullpen here in a little bit, but C.J. Abrams, yes, absolutely confidence and swagger and the realization of, hey, I'm in the big leagues and I'm doing big things and big moments for this team. You can see what a difference it is. He's a quiet kid and he just needed a little time to start having some success here before you started to see that come out. He also mentioned a couple of different times after the game how when Yoan Adone gave up the six runs in the top of that inning, he was kind of down on himself. And CJ said he went up to Adone and said to him, hey, 
Don't worry about it. We got you. We're going to get this back. And then bam, do it right away. That's a young kid taking the kind of a leadership position there. Again, confidence and swagger. The other thing that he did in this game that I don't want to overlook, the play he made in the top of the ninth after the Schwarber homer, when things are, oh boy, this could get a little dicey. Finnegan ready, 2-1 pitch, swung on, bounced toward the middle of the diamond. Abrams chases, gets to it, throws in the run, one hop to Smith, in plenty of time for the out. Got in great position, made a good strong throw. It's one of those that like, you kind of need to make the play given the moment, but it's not an easy play. It's not routine at all. I thought that was such a significant thing for him to do that. And then when we get to the bullpen, I want to talk about Andres Machado because he had some swagger as well in his big moment. He did very much so. I did want to work this, though, into the conversation. So it was 11 years ago, 2012, that we had a famous incident in a Sunday night game between the Nats and the Phillies, Cole Hamels plunking a then-rookie Bryce Harper. Abrams admired that homer. Do you think the Phillies were mad about that? Do you think there is potentially any retaliation that could be coming off that? I sure hope not, but I did have that thought. And oh, by the way, the Nats are playing the Phillies in a Sunday nighter in this series, although it is the Little League Classic. I don't know that that's the scenario in which you want beanball wars, but do you think there's any retribution that could be coming from the Phillies off the way that Abrams reacted to that home run? You don't think everyone wants benches to clear in Williamsport? I mean, what a scene that would be in front of the crowd of the kids. Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. I don't think so, and I certainly hope they don't take that the wrong way. That was a young kid capping a six-run rally with a big-time swing. If you're the Phillies and you have a problem with that, I think there are more important matters for you to be concerned with right now. But that's interesting. I had not thought of that connection, and you're right. That happened on a Sunday night game, and we all know the you know what happened and how Bryce handled it so perfectly in that moment. I hope that the Phillies don't try to do anything along those lines. And if they did, I hope that CJ and the Nationals would handle it as well as Bryce handled it that night many years ago. And the other thing I remember from all of that is how Mike Rizzo just sounded off on Cole Hamels and the Phillies. Fake tough. Good for Mike for doing that the way that he did that back in 2012. He's coming home. You sure this kid's 19? Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfas has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red-hot antitrust, IP litigation, white-collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. Are you looking for tickets to an upcoming event? That's why you should download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. You get cheaper tickets 
and it helps the podcast a bit. Sounds like a smooth 643 double play. Again, create an account and redeem the code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Terms apply. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. I have been eating Factor meals. They are outstanding. They can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. We, of course, are in the thick of summer, but the school year isn't far away. Everyone's busy. You want to make sure that you're eating well. With Factor, you can skip that extra trip to the grocery store, and also skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and the nutrition that you need. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals already in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat up the meal and enjoy the meal, and then get back to doing whatever it is that you need to be doing. Here's what you do. Go to factormeals.com slash natschat50 and use the code natschat50. You do that, you get 50 percent off. Yeah, 50% off. Go to factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that promo code NatsChat50 for 50% off. Factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that promo code NatsChat50 for 50% off. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Here's your Dylan Cruz update after the game on Friday evening. Same spot, hitting second, playing center field. One for three, scored a run, two RBIs. He now has 20 RBIs since joining the Fred Nats, walked and struck out. The Fred Nats, though, they got pounded by the visiting Augusta Green Jackets, 15-7. Now back to Mark and Al. Machado has his sign. He fires. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a high slider. This time, Machado wins the battle with Trey Turner. And Machado strands the bases loaded with a huge strikeout to end the top of the seventh inning. All right, we'll save Yohan Adone for last because the bullpen was so good in this game on Friday night. Yet another instance of the bullpen holding the opposition down so that a comeback could be mounted and then sustained because the Nats came back right away in that bottom of the fourth. But six Nats relievers were utilized in this game. The six Nats relievers combined to allow one run in five innings with seven strikeouts. Man, Davey Martinez is leaning on this bullpen a ton. And for the most part, the pen continues to respond. I don't know how long this can last for. I mean, you certainly can't make a habit out of doing this, but it is working right now for the most part. And a really good job by the pen on Friday night. Jose A. Ferrer, perfect top of the fifth. Jordan Weems, scoreless top of the sixth. Robert Garcia did have some issues. Top of the seventh, he faced three batters, got just one out, gave up back-to-back one-out singles. But then Andres Machado came into the game in that top of the seventh. Runners on first and second, one out, Nats up 8-6. And Machado sandwiched swinging strikeouts of Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner. Did give up a two-out walk of Bryson Stott to load the bases, but those two big strikeouts were uh, sandwiched around the two-out walk of Bryson Stott. Then we had Hunter Harvey, a perfect top of the eighth. And then we had Kyle Finnegan in the top of the ninth. And he did give up a run, gave up a leadoff homer by Kyle Schwarber, who is really just wrecking Nats pitching these last two seasons. Now, Schwarber had two home runs in this game, gets one off Finnegan to begin the top of the ninth. 
The ball went off the second deck in right center field, 405-foot homer per StatCast. But Finnegan then came through. He retired each of the Phillies' next three batters, who, oh, by the way, were the Phillies' numbers two through four batters. Alec Bohm, Bryce Harper, and Nick Castellanos. So, you know, it wasn't flawless, but it was another really good outing, all things considered, by the Nats bullpen. There's so much to get to with this. I want to start with this. Davey Martinez managed this game and managed his bullpen like it was October. Okay. He was all in from the moment he decided to pull a dome because there was a question there whether he would. If they don't rally in the bottom of the fourth, he's probably sending a dome back out there, understanding they're trailing. They're just going to have to get some innings out of him, even if it means that he gives up more runs and they lose this game by a bunch. But as soon as they start rallying, he gets Ferrer up and warming. And you can tell, okay, the wheels are spinning. How is he going to navigate the rest of this game? So he gets Ferrer out there for the fifth. Even before that inning is over, he has Jordan Weems already warming up. Weems has been lately like his eighth inning guy or maybe seventh inning guy with Hunter Harvey back. He's got him warming in the fifth just in case things start to get dicey. He's already thinking about high leverage spots in the middle innings, the kind of stuff we haven't seen him need to do in quite a long time. So he does that. Robert Garcia coming off a disastrous appearance the day before. He goes back out there. And I know, like you said, he only retired one of the three hitters. He was this close to getting out of it. There was some bad luck on what should have been a double play ball that glanced off his glove and they couldn't do anything with it. Machado has turned otherworldly here lately in coming up with big outs, the movement he's getting on his sinker. He's going right after big time hitters. And if you didn't see it, go back and watch the way he sauntered off the mound after striking out Trey Turner. There was swagger. Talked about the CJ home run, the way he admired it. Andres Machado did the equivalent of pimping a home run as he walked off the mound at the end of that inning, and rightfully so. That was a huge moment. The crowd was into it. He was into it. So that was great. And then even after all that, you still now have to get through the eighth and the ninth, and you have to do that with Hunter Harvey pitching back-to-back days for the first time since coming off the IL, not a situation you would prefer to be in, but you kind of had to do that. And then Finnegan pitching for the third straight day, something you usually want to try to avoid. But it was like you could tell as this played out, it was sort of like they're all in on this game. They're going for it. They're going to blow them out if they have to. They'll figure out tomorrow whenever they get to that point. They're doing everything they can to win this game. I loved the aggressiveness of it, of the managing and you can't argue with the performance. I know Finnegan gave up the homer, but first runs he's given up in 14 and two-thirds innings. He knew he had one run to play with, so he didn't have to pitch around Schwarber, went after him, and shook it off and got the next three hitters out. That, to me, is a, a good sign of a really good closer, understanding the situation and not being afraid to go after the leadoff hitter like Schwarber when you have a two-run lead. Presumably, though, Finnegan will be down for Saturday. Harvey will be down for Saturday. And, you know, it was hard to watch this and not think about what happened on Thursday, that 10-7 Nats win over the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park, a game in which a 9-1 Nats lead became a 9-7 Nats lead thanks to that disastrous top of the seventh for Robert Garcia. Six runs in two-thirds of an inning. And so a game in which the Nats were up 9-1, Davey Martinez ended up using both Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan. It's a tricky deal right now because they're winning. Davey is aggressively using the bullpen. Game in, game out, we're seeing three, four, five Nats relievers be used. We saw six relievers be used on Friday night. 
But, you know, especially in some of these games in which you're not getting length from your starting pitching, and in some games you are, but in other games you're not, especially now, you know, these last few innings with Yohan Adon, it's like you are pushing these guys a lot. And there is a price to be paid for that. Like I said, you know, presumably both Finnegan and Harvey will be down on Saturday to say nothing of, you know, can these guys continue to be used as aggressively as they are being used? But for now, the results are there. For now, this bullpen continues to deliver, and uh, I give them a lot of credit. You know, when uh, Adone left this game, I know I thought this. I'm guessing I was the only person who thought this. I felt like from a pitching standpoint, the Nats actually were going to be in pretty good hands just because of the way the bullpen has been going. Like the notion of the bullpen for the rest of the game only giving up, say, a run or less or two runs or less, it's not laughable. Like it's what the bullpen has been doing lately. But with Yoan Adone, this was rough. And it was kind of odd because he began his outing with three scoreless innings, was putting some guys on base. But, you know, three scoreless innings or three scoreless innings against a Phillies team that we all know can hit. But that top of the fourth was rough, man. Six runs given up in that inning out of Homer three doubles, a single, and a walk. Adon allowed five consecutive Phillies batters to reach base with two outs, including giving up a two-out, two-run homer by Kyle Schwarber to right field for a 6-1 Phillies lead. Adon over his four innings through 74 pitches, and this was off what happened in his previous outing, the 8-2 win over the Oakland A's the previous Friday night, two runs in three innings. He uh, left that game actually after warming up in the top of the fourth due to leg cramping. So that wasn't as much a performance issue, although, you know, he did give up some runs in that game. But yeah, that fourth inning, things really unraveled for Johan Adon on Friday night. Yeah, and look, it was not warm or muggy. It was actually a very pleasant night with a cool breeze blowing in. So I don't think there was a cramping issue at all there. He was very good those first three innings, and then it just fell apart for him in the fourth, and it did put that bullpen in a tough spot. I know they succeeded, but all of a sudden you had to ask for a whole lot out of them. I don't know. I'm kind of wondering at the end of all this, I've been a little skeptical of the six-man rotation all along. I get what the idea is. You're trying to save up some innings or prevent guys like Gore and Irvin from having to be shut down eventually if you can space out their starts. But the problem is, is when you're getting short outings and they're getting a lot of these lately and you have one fewer reliever at your disposal, it's like a ticking time bomb waiting for something bad to happen. And I do wonder if after these you know, three starts, one of them was great in Cincinnati, the next one, okay, and then came out with the cramps, then this one, not so good. If they might be feeling like, you know what, an eighth reliever might be more valuable to us right now than Yoan Adon as the sixth starter. It doesn't mean he can't still figure into the plan. Maybe they bring him back later on in September or something like that. But right now, I think there's more of a need for another arm in the bullpen than for a six starter, especially when these guys are just not going deep in games. Well, I think it sort of depends on what you're trying to get out of the rest of this season. Like, if you really are in evaluation mode, then I think the six-man rotation does make sense because you can get more of a look at Yoan Adone and bringing in another reliever. I don't know how much good that's going to do you in terms of the evaluation. But, you know, if you are trying to win here and you are trying to say, hey, we are only eight games out of that third wild card spot, and wouldn't it be something, you know, even if the Nats don't make the playoffs, okay, and they're probably not, but imagine if we in September could have conversations about, hey, they're only six games out of a wild card spot, you know, and that interest in the season would be there. I wonder how much value the Nats would place on that, that they feel like there would be some meaning to that, get the fan base excited, maybe give these players experience in being in a pseudo postseason push. 
I don't know. I mean, it's something to think about. It's crazy that we're talking like this right now. But I mean, the standings are what they are. Like, you know, you could look it up. They're eight games behind the Cincinnati Reds for the third and final wild card spot. So I wonder about that. We will have expanded rosters coming up now. The September expansion isn't what it used to be. But in theory, you could add what? I guess another reliever uh, via that expansion, right? Yeah, it's only one pitcher you can add in one position player, but you can still make other moves in September. So if a guy's burned out, you could option him to AAA, bring uh, another guy up. I don't know. I'll be interested to see how they play this. I think they're trying to win games right now. I think that's Davey's motivation. And I actually think that's Mike Rizzo's motivation. As this keeps going on, there's a little bit of an understanding that they can make this whole situation look a lot better than it did not that long ago. And We've talked about this. They're both on expiring contracts with uncertain futures. You can't tell me that deep down they aren't thinking to themselves, hey, if we somehow were to win 75, 77, 78 games, that's not going to help their cause when it comes time to figure out if they're returning next year or not. Now, I don't think they're going to do anything that is at the expense of long-term development of young guys. They're not going to push players. They're not going to extend Mackenzie Gore to 180 innings when he's not ready to do that yet at this stage of his career. But when they have chances to win games, I think they're going to try to win games. We saw that in this one. And I don't think they're necessarily wrong for taking that approach, even if it's not really about trying to get into a potential last ditch wild card playoff push. I just think emotionally and for their own long term security, that there's probably some motivation to try to squeeze out as many wins as they can right now. Well, the Nationals, after winning on Friday night, tweeted out a video of Ron Rivera and Davey Martinez talking on Friday morning. Ron and Davey, by the way, do have a relationship, in case you don't know. When Ron was playing for the Chicago Bears in the 80s, there was an overlap with Davey playing for the Chicago Cubs. So they do go back a bit. And Ron, he thought that the Nats were off on Friday. And Davey said, no, we're playing the Phillies on Friday night. And Ron told Davey, we'll go out and get after their And then uh, Ron said a naughty word that I won't use on this podcast. But the Nats did as Ron told the Nats to do. And uh, the Nats got themselves, again, an 18th win in 27 games. Really good stuff from the Nats right now. Game two will take place at Nationals Park on Saturday, beginning at 4.05. Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on our website too, natschatpodcast.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And we leave you now with an update on the Nats AAA affiliate, the Rochester Red Wings, a courtesy of the voice of the Red Wings, Josh Wetzel. All right, guys, Josh Wetzel here with a Rochester Red Wings update, starting with Luis Garcia, who's played 10 games so far for the Wings since getting optioned from the Nationals. He's only hitting 238 at the moment, though out of his 10 hits, five of them are doubles. He does not have a home run yet. To my untrained eye, he has played a very good defensive second base since coming down from Washington. Now, the three best offensive players right now for the Red Wings are Travis Blankenhorn, Drew Millis, and Carter Keboom. Blankenhorn, uh, for those of you who might not be familiar with him, came up through the twin system, was a third-round draft pick out of high school originally by Minnesota, played a little bit in the big leagues with the Twins and the Mets. He's now primarily a corner outfielder and first baseman, and he's hit 21 home runs this year. He's now batting 274 in the season. He's been one of the best RBI men in the league, but if you narrow it down over the last couple of months, he has really been on fire. 
Since July 1st, Blankenhorn is hitting 339 with a 440 on base percentage. He's slugging almost 680. His OPS is close to 1150 right now since July 1st. So he really has been one of the best hitters in AAA since that point. He's been even better, actually, since August 1st. Drew Millis, the catcher, playing well behind the plate defensively. He's hitting 277 at the moment through his first 52 AAA games, but has been better of late. His last 21 games, he's hitting over 350. He's been getting on base at a very good clip, almost a 470 on base percentage during that 21-game stretch. And Carter Keeboom has only played 32 games this season due to a couple of injuries, of course, coming back from Tommy John surgery a year ago. Most recently, he was on the injured list with an oblique strain. Since coming back off the injured list, he's played six games, has hit 280 with a pair of home runs, and has been walking a lot. On the pitching side of things, Jackson Rutledge, the uh, tall right-hander, former first-round pick, has made eight starts so far. He is 2-1 and one with a 4.79 ERA, has only allowed 35 hits in 35 and two-thirds innings, but has walked 21. Command has been the big thing. He's thrown a strike, I think, at only about 55-56% of his pitches to this point. And Wings pitching coach Rafael Chavez really wants him to hone in on working on his secondary pitches along with that good fastball. And Herson Moreno continues to pitch well out of the Red Wings bullpen. He has pitched in 47 games this season, 59 innings of work. He's only allowed 31 base hits. Opponents are hitting 160 against Moreno. And among those pitchers in the league with at least 50 innings of work, he has the second-best ERA, 229 earned run average for Herson Moreno. There's a Rochester Red Wings update for you. This is Josh Quetzel. Hope you enjoyed it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.